to Totalus Rankium. This week, Romanos 4. Hello, and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. Jamie, I'm disappointed. Why? It's not Totalus Rankium. <gasps> Totalus Spookium. That's right. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Hello, and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Spookium. <laughs> I'm Jamie. And I'm Rob. And we are ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Constantine 11. And this is episode 143, Romanos 4. Been looking forward to Totalus Spookium yeah. for a while. Oh, I completely forgot. Yeah, and here we are. A Halloween special. So as per usual, imagine everyone with a pumpkin head. That might actually help for some of the stories. Oh, oh dear. (laughs) Especially the brutal scenes. Anyway, last time we gave an overview of the rise of the Saljuk Turks, if you remember. Yeah, Yeah, they're in the east. They're already kind of Uh, popping up. Uh, Yes, they are. Yeah, we looked into how they're starting to encroach on the borders of the Empire. We also looked at the short but impressive reign of Eudocio and how she manoeuvred the military faction back into power for the good of the Empire. So this week, we will be able to see if her efforts were all worth it, or if they were in vain. I remember last time you heavily, heavily suggested it was all in vain. What, What gives you that impression? You said it. Okay, maybe. Well, let's find out exactly how it was in vain. Let's not forget, Eudocia has burnt her bridges with her brother-in-law, John Ducas, who you were very suspicious of last episode. Yeah, John. But also with the powerful advisor, Celus. But hopefully, this Romanos chap will be up to the task of pushing the Turks back. I'm sure he will. Yeah. yeah. How badly do you think it could go? Oh, dear. <laughs> I fear this is a loaded question. Um... I, I imagine almost embarrassingly bad. <laughs> almost. It's like he does it, but then he realises he forgot to put his trousers on. Pretty that kind much. Of thing. He's there just flapping in the breeze sort of thing. Okay, we'll see if it's that bad at the end. Uh, but let's go through his life, shall we? Romanos was born into the powerful Diogenes family, uh, which is why he is also known on most lists of Roman emperors as Romanos for Diogenes. Yeah and sometimes just referred to as Diogenes. Now, I'm going to call him Romanos, though, just because I like the name Romanos. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the Diogenes family were a very powerful family in Cappadocia, so we're on the right-hand side of Anatolia here. Uh, this is where the Turks are raiding heavily at this time. Yay. Yeah. Now, obviously, powerful family. They're not based in the capital, but they will have ties to pretty much all of the powerful, as was common in this class. It's just they were more based on the fringes. In fact, the family had imperial ties, because Romanos' mother was the niece of the Emperor Romanos III. If you remember, Romanos III was the husband of Zoe, who had an unfortunate being held under the water in the baths accident. Yeah, that accident yeah exactly um yeah well he had a niece that i didn't mention at the time because why would i uh but yeah that's this romanos's mother so powerful family as you can see uh we don't know when romanos was born it was presumably before 1032 however uh, because that's when his father threw himself off a cliff oh did did he have an accident uh, he either had an accident or he was, uh, this was accident prevention uh, because he was accused of treason during the reign of the aforementioned Romanos III. Right. So, uh, yeah. 
It's like there's a nice big cliff. Yes, he died. A cliff was involved. He he either preempted or or he was forced to preempt. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, Dad's dead, oh. uh, and that's about all we know of Romanos's childhood. Really, oh. uh, he grew up. He served in the military. I mean, I'd, I'd say he rose through the ranks, but I mean, he would have entered fairly high up anyway. So. It's not really rising that much. Uh, his father was a prominent general under the great Basil II, so Romanos Diogenes would have been following in his father's footsteps. It's weird we're still hearing about Basil II, because that feels like such a long time ago. We have gone through a lot of emperors very yeah. quickly. Yeah, we really have. It's uh, Remember, Romanos was around for nearly 50 years as emperor, yeah. and uh, then all of his successors... Uh, haven't been as round for as long as he no. was and we've had a lot of them. Anyway, so he's in the military. Uh, he, like I say, he would have started near the top and he spent most of his time serving in the west on the Danube frontier, mostly fighting back Pekenics as they are the northern barbarians of the day. Yep. Uh, at some point he was appointed Dukes or Duke of part of a reorganised Bulgarian theme, so he's he's doing all right for yes. himself, is what I'm trying to say. Quite a nice title to have. Yes, building up a power base in the west through his work, but obviously he's from the eastern part of the empire, yeah. so mm. yeah, he, he knows his way around. Maps. And then shortly after, Constantine X died, leaving Eudocia and her son in charge of the empire. Mm. And that's it, that's all we know, we've already caught up with the story. We know very little about his, most of his life. Uh, but then we suddenly get lots of detail. Yeah. Now, if you remember last episode, Romanos IV was introduced when Eudocia found out he was plotting a coup. Yeah. Uh, now, we don't actually get that much on this coup. Hesellus uh, hints that Romanos Diogenes was plotting to take the throne before Constantine X died, um, because he's just that sort of person. But Celus absolutely despises Romanos and makes no secret of that fact, so this might just be made up. Do you think every time he wrote Romanos in the text, he just has in brackets, git, afterwards? Yeah, I mean, the pages that are about Romanos in Celus's book are all, like, torn and scratched, <laughs> which is quite impressive, because the copy I've got was published about ten years ago. Wow. So. Yeah, That's a hate so. through time, isn't it? So we, we don't really know, but we do know that Romanus was part of the military faction, or at least had their support, and he was not happy with the fact that Celus and his chum Constantine X were not paying enough attention to the problems in the East. Uh. So like the, the military's falling apart, <laughs> and we need our military. You guys aren't doing enough about it, you're just making yourself and your chums rich. Yeah. Now, like I say, we get very few details on this plot. Uh, Italiates, our other main source for this period tells us that he was betrayed by a supporter at some point. Um, essentially, he was ratted out at some point during I the I hate people like that. And I bet that's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, however it happened, Romanus's plot to take over the throne was discovered. Uh, and I'll quote Celus here. See if you can spot Celus's opinion of the man. He was at once apprehended, and his audacity would have met with his just deserts had not the Empress exercised her clemency on his behalf and saved him from condemnation? An error of judgment on her part, he ought to have put him to death. <laughs> yeah, some subtle low-level anger there, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I haven't got across is the 17 exclamation marks <laughs> that is after the word death, but uh, yeah, there we go. 
Um, Italiates, uh, also knew Romanos personally, by the way. We've got two primary sources that go into detail. Ooh. This is unprecedented. Um, yeah, Italiates gives us another account. Uh, he's far less hostile towards Romanos, leading some historians to say that he's quite positive towards Romanos, but I'd say that's debatable. <laughs> I'd just say he's a lot more fair. Uh, but anyway, according to him, Romanos surrendered himself, admitting that he wanted to take the throne. Had to it again the moment your bats were turned, kind of hmm. thing. Um, he, he was doing it to save the empire. There was nothing wrong with what he was trying to do. So he was arrested and exiled to the Isle of Princes. Uh, but he was very popular, especially in the army. Uh, so it was decided nothing more should be done with him at that stage. Maybe keep him on the island for a bit, and then who knows, maybe he'll have an accident like his dad Because I guess did. they're trying to get the army sweet at this point as well, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. You don't want to go upsetting the army by, I don't know, pulling the eyes out of their favourite general. Yeah. So, yeah. so out of sight, out of mind was the thinking. Do you think that's what they say when they blind somebody? Out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, that's exactly what they nice. say. Um, as we saw in Eudocia's episode, Eudocia starts to think about how she can use this to her advantage. Remember, she has taken an oath that she will never remarry, uh, but she realises that the Empire needs a strong emperor who can lead troops at this time, and it doesn't have one. Mm. So the cogs are turning in her brain. Uh, one day, Romanos was taken out of his uh, imprisonment and led back to the city, into the palace where he met with Eudocia, and she revealed her plan. They would wed, and he would be co-emperor with her son, Michael. Do I get a say in this? He said. <laughs> well, I'm guessing he was more than pleased with this yeah. plan. He achieves exactly what he wanted, and he doesn't have to actually do a coup to get mm. there. In fact, Taliates tells us that Eudocia wept when she saw him for the first time. Because... Well, I'll quote. For the man not only superseded others in his good qualities, but he was also pleasant to look upon in all aspects. He was tall, and his broad chest and back gave him a fine appearance. He's a hottie. Totes hottie, yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, I'll carry on. He had more beautiful eyes than anyone, and even beamed beauty out of his eyes. I think somebody's got a crush on Romanos. I think so. I think this is why people say Italiates is uh, pro-Romanos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is definitely the most pro he ever gets. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's a little bit more. His appearance was worthy, as the poet says, of absolute power. <laughs> right. So he looked like an emperor. Okay. He, he had a broad chest, he was good-looking, and uh, beauty beamed out of his eyes, whatever that means. Eyes like, a, what's it called from X-Men? Um, Cyclops. Yes, Cyclops, yeah. yeah. That's that's who he is. <laughs> but Sexy like beams. instead of Yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. Romanos agreed to the plan. Nice. He left the city and headed back to his homeland of Cappadocia, uh, which was starting to be overrun with Turkish raids, remember? Uh, while Eudocia worked on getting the Patriarch to release her from her vow to never remarry, which as we've already covered, she managed to trick him into doing. Yeah, well done. So Romanos gets word of this and then heads back to the capital and the two are wed. Much to the utter utter disgust of Celus and John Ducas, who are literally in the in the wedding, <laughs> grinding their teeth in frustration. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Anyway, Romanus is in charge now. He gets to work straight away. Celus tells us how much Romanus really admired him. But, and I'm paraphrasing here, to be fair, uh, but because he was an idiot, he did not heed his advice. <laughs> 
Yeah, Sela right. spends a good couple of pages just laying out all the <laughs> advice he gave to Romanos, which Romanos then just ignored. The fool. Celis never makes himself look good. I mean, he's entertaining, but he never, you never think, oh, what a guy. You think, what oh, You really don't. You really don't. We're, we're getting very close to the end of Celis. And Ooh. I remember when I first picked up Celis, it was so nice to have such a detailed source, and I was so happy about it. I can't wait to see the back of him, to be honest. <laughs> Anyway, uh, in reality, Celis would have seen his power fade as members of the military faction came to dominate once more. So he's he's kicking his heels, basically. Yeah. Now, Romanos focused on one thing and one thing only. The fact that his homeland was being overrun by invaders in the east. Yes. So he spent some time in the capital showing up his support. After all, the entirety of the Ducas family were furious that he had come in and just swept up the throne. In particular, John Ducas was gunning for him, as were John Ducas's sons. John Ducas was a couple of adult sons by this point. They're not happy either. So I knew John Ducas was going to be there. <laughs> and don't forget, Michael, as in Eudocius' son, is Michael Ducas as well. Oh. So he's a member of the Ducas family, mm. and he is he's 18 at this point, and he also is, he is unsure He's not too happy. Yeah. He's trusting his mum for now, but he's not sure. Right. Uh, Romanos sees this. He sees that all his uh, in-laws basically want to see him dead. Yeah. So if he was to just run off into the east to go and fight the Turks, uh, he might suddenly find there's no throne to go back to. It's going to make... Imagine, imagine game night with your family as well. That's going to be so awkward. It is very awkward. They kept suggesting games that were... Suspicious to say the least. Murder in the dark, for example. Yeah, yeah. blink murder. <laughs> um, snap. <But laughs> the rules are slightly different than yeah. uh, Romanus remembered. And also the ever popular Let's Kill Romanus game. Yes, yes, that one was always fun. Darts. <laughs> game night was, was a minefield. It was. Literally in some cases. Yeah. Oh, yeah, minefield. Uh, well, due to this, uh, well, due, due to the the dislike from the Ducas family, maybe Games Night as well. And also because of rumblings from the Varangian Guard, who saw Eudocia's wedding as a betrayal of the real Emperor Michael the Sun. Remember, the Varangian Guard could not be bought. They were loyal to the end. Well, in their head, Michael was the Emperor, who was this new person. But didn't you say earlier that it's matter a new Emperor, they're now loyal to them? And as Romanus is the Emperor... Yeah, but there's two Emperors. It's Michael and Romanus. I'm with you. The Varangian Guard are seeing Romanos coming in almost as a coup that Eudocia right. and Romanos have put together. So, because he's older, would Romanos count as the head emperor? Yes, very much so. They're not that loyal then, are they? Because he's the head emperor. Yeah, um, they are loyal to the Ducas family at the moment. Right. Or at least Romanos suspects. I mean, they've not done anything yet. But, <laughs> but they are sharpening those swords a lot when I'm walking by. <laughs> A lot of them have signed their name on the sign-up sheet for Kill Romanos game that week. Let's just say that. Uh, so anyway, Romanos spends longer in the capital than he wanted to, just uh, showing up his support, feeling it a bit too risky to leave. But in the end, after some furious reorganisation of the military, he finally sets off on the first of three campaigns against the Turks. Ooh. So are you ready for campaign one? Yeah... So Romanos sets off in 1068 with a ragtag army that has been neglected for some time. Oh dear. <laughs> well, if you remember, Isaac had started to pull the military back together, but he hadn't lasted long. No. And then his reforms all fell to the wayside. Yeah. Uh, in fact, as Italiates puts it, 
It was something to see the famous units and their commanders composed of just a few men. So they're, they're not in good shape. So in order to bolster the troops, Romanos paid for mercenary forces from Armenia, Bulgaria, Normandy, Francia, uh, all over Europe, essentially. Come and join the Roman forces <laughs> whilst we go and fight for our homeland. Yeah. Now, despite this uh, perhaps slightly dodgy force that he had, Romanos pushed his forces towards the Turks rapidly. Uh, the Turks were currently laying waste to pretty much the entire right side of Anatolia. Uh, Alp Arslan, remember, he is the, the Sultan of the Turks at the time. The Lord Lion, yes. Yeah, he's the Sultan of the Turks, and he saw how rapidly Romanos was approaching and decided, uh, you know what, we don't need this fight, we've got all the booty we needed, uh, we've got the forts along the border, let's retreat. He didn't want to pitch battle with the Romans, he just wanted to keep them at bay, because Arslan had his main objective. His main objective was not defeating the Romans in battle. His main objective was defeating the Fatimids in battle, and eventually kicking them out of Egypt. Mm. Yeah, he wanted to restore the entire original Umayyad Caliphate. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, therefore, it wasn't in Arslan's best interest to waste men on battle with the Romans, so let's pull back. Mm. So he does. Uh, Romanos, seeing this, decides to follow uh, for a bit, and then realises the Turks are no longer a problem. He's chased them out. Okay, what next? I know, we've got this army. Let's go into Syria and make sure Aleppo was once again fully seen as under Roman control. Now, this region with Aleppo is a bit murky at the time. Um... It's changed hands a few times recently since we've last talked about Aleppo. Right. Uh, remember, Aleppo is now the the main city in the region. Antioch's just nowhere near as important anymore. Oh. But it's actually the Fatimids that control the region now. They've spread all up the right coast of the Mediterranean, right. from Egypt all the way up to roughly where Antioch is, okay. and they control Aleppo. Mm. So that's where the Fatimids are. So Romanos decides that he's going to expand the empire back into this region once more. It's time, time the Romans are seen as the big player on the block. So, heading into Syria, he then receives some news. Neo-Caesarea, uh, which is in the very top part of Anatolia, as in modern Turkey, has just been plundered by the Turks. It turns out that Arslan had actually split his troops. Half of his forces had indeed just headed back home, uh, but half the forces had slipped in behind the Emperor as he headed into Syria and was now back in Anatolia causing trouble. Oh. Yeah, that's embarrassing. Romanos was furious at being tricked, but also worried that the Ducas back in the capital would use this to show how the Emperor could do nothing right. Even yeah. when he was on campaign, and I'll quote Italiates here, the enemy had no less trouble doing whatever they wanted. Is this when he realised he also wasn't wearing trousers? <laughs> No. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Definitely not. This is considered the uh, the highest point of his three campaigns. I'm just going to say that now. Really? Yeah. And it's not a high point at all. Well, he managed to ch chase the Turks out of half the Turks out of Roman land. I say chase. They decided not to fight. <laughs> To be fair, there is a bit of good news, because Romanos swung north uh, again, and he chased down this half of the Turkish army. 
The speed in which he did this shocked the Turks, who thought that their trick had worked, worked perfectly and the emperor was now fully in Syria. Uh, so they were caught out of position, and Romanos was able to wipe the enemy forces out Yay. and release many of the prisoners who had been captured. So actually, yeah, th- this is actually a good good point. Okay. It's a secure victory against the Turks. Plus, there's still time in the uh, in the fighting season to go and get some more stuff done. So, with this victory, he goes back to his original plan. Back to Syria. So he heads south again. It's time to ensure the region is properly Roman once more, he says again. Is this still campaign one? This is still campaign one, yeah. Wow, okay. Well, once arriving in Syria, Romanos soon came across some Saracen resistance from Aleppo. Uh, They weren't strong enough to resist the Roman advance, however, so they didn't engage. But there was a a bit of toing and froing, a bit of manoeuvring going on. So Romanos was able to raid the the countryside, gaining supplies for his troops. Uh, And once he was ready, he besieged the city of Heriopolis. This is a city to the northeast of Aleppo. Uh, the residents of the city of Heriopolis uh, heard that the Romans were advancing on them, so they had all ran away as quickly as possible. The Euphrates isn't too far away, so they all headed to the Euphrates and sort of swam across, hoping they'd be safe. So the city was actually easy enough to take. The Saracen soldiers, who had remained holed up in the citadel, uh, put up a bit of resistance, but Romanos brought forth some siege engines that he had had constructed. Nice. And I'll quote here, hurled arrows and stones from catapults at them as thickly as a snowstorm. Cold arrows. Very cold arrows. The citadel fell. Romanus plundered the city. Oh, I just think the soldiers made like, uh, like arrow men when they're done. I, I'm guessing so. Like pile them up big, and stuff. Arrow fights. Big burning boulder <laughs> as the head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All very nice. So there you go. You can see why this first campaign is seen as his best one. He's uh, he's pushed the Turks out. He got tricked, but then he pushed them out again. Yeah. He's managed to take a city from Fatimid-controlled Aleppo. Uh, it's, it's not too bad. Mm. By this time, however, the Emir of Aleppo had raised forces and he arrived. Romano sent some troops to stop the advance, thinking that that would be enough. Uh, turns out it wasn't enough. Oh. No, a battle took place between uh, the Roman and uh, the Saracen forces, and uh, the soldiers of Aleppo just outmaneuvered the Romans, and the Romans suffered a huge defeat. At this point, Teliates gives up attempting to give us an impartial history and just starts uh, just moaning, essentially. Reads a bit like a diary. I'll, I'll quote Teliates <laughs> here. It was then that I not so much despaired for my own safety as came to despise the cowardice, ineptitude, and wretchedness of the Romans. Oh. For although the Romans had suffered an overwhelming defeat, none of the remaining companies or officers were moved to action. Instead, they all sat around inside, all attending to their own business, as though they were camping in a friendly country. They didn't see the urgency of the situation. No. Ah. You can see here that the military is just not in a good enough shape to be doing this. They're not the trained officers at all. Yeah, the officers are not good officers. The men are not trained properly. Yeah, they they should have seen this defeat of this detachment of Romans as a serious thing that they had to deal with. And instead, it was just like, oh, okay, we'll beat them tomorrow. It'll be fine. Hmm. Uh, Romanos himself was equally displeased. Uh, Overnight, the Romans heard the sounds of the Emir of Aleppo surrounding the Roman camp, celebrating all through the night. And then come dawn, the main battle took place. It was a fierce fight, but the Romans did indeed manage to push the enemy back. However, instead of pushing the advantage, Romanus let the Saracens retreat. 
Why are they pushing their advantages? <laughs> well, Italiates was disgusted by this as well. <laughs> Good. That's what he uh, should be. I'll quote. Thus I realised that Romans of our day are neither capable of seizing opportunities, nor setting ambushes, nor of deciding anything prudently in the midst of battle, or of discerning the strength of their opponents. Harsh words, considering this is meant to be the positive source. Yeah, oh dear. Yeah. Atiliates was very bitter that the Romans did not give chase. Oh. Uh, he wanted them to head to Aleppo and wipe out the emir at the gates of the city yeah. and then storm the capital city. Um, but Romanus decides against it. In Celis's version, it's just ha 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 for entire page. Celis uh, uh... spends about two lines saying he headed off east and did nothing and came back acting as if he'd won something. It's right. paraphrasing him, but yeah, he doesn't <laughs> go into any detail. Italiates writes here, Because of our own limitations, the will of the enemy is fulfilled. Oh. So, although the Romans won technically, they let the opportunity slip through their fingers. So, they didn't win. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, instead, Romanus spent the rest of the season in Syria taking smaller cities and generally causing a nuisance to the emir. Uh, doing all right, but nothing decisive. Antioch had recently been raided, so Romanus stayed clear of it, not wanting to deplete its food supplies. That's nice. Um, and generally doesn't, doesn't manage to do anything concrete. In the end, Romanos could say that he had pushed out Parcelan out of the empire, and he could say he'd gone into Syria and given the emir of Aleppo a damn good kicking. Well, so, so you could say that, but you could also say not that. <laughs> you could also say you were tricked. Yeah. Uh, the enemy so. slipped in behind you, forced you to retreat rapidly, and you've done very little in Syria, apart from take a couple of inconsequential cities. Yeah, you could put it that way. That person didn't live very long, I imagine. Well, there was definitely muttering amongst the men that they could have done better. I mean, maybe this is unfair, maybe it's not. It's certainly debatable. But the men didn't care about that because they were not in a good mood. Yeah. It was December by the time they started heading back home. Christmas! And they had to cross the Tarsus Mountains. Ooh, now, cold. they'd spent the summer months in Syria. Lovely. Hot. Mm. Mm. And no one wants to be carrying around their Christmas jumper with them throughout the hot summer months in Syria, do they? They would look ridiculous. Yeah, so they all they abandoned their Christmas jumpers oh, no. the first opportunity. But now they're heading back over the mountains. Oh, they're regretting that. Oh, no. None of the men had their winter gear whatsoever. They start freezing to death. Uh, Atiliates himself almost died in crossing the mountains. Uh, not through uh, the cold. His horse had become ill. And, oh, no, Banquo... Uh, started to sort of bend his legs slightly. That's how they walk. Yeah, but not in a good way. He was it's sort of staggering around <laughs> oh. slightly. <laughs> Over uh, his back. Yeah, the, the horse wasn't right. Something was wrong about the horse. Uh, oh, now, poor Banquo. This, well, <laughs> just wait. Uh, this was happening <laughs> oh, no. as they were riding down a very uh, precarious path across the face of a cliff. So oh. you've got cliff to your right, and you've just got drop to your left. Right. Ateliates got off his horse to try and calm it down. It clearly wasn't happy. In fact, I quote Ateliates now. As I got off the horse to stand it again by forcing him with the reins, he immediately lurched uncontrollably on his own and threw himself off the cliff. Everybody stood there gawking at the spectacle. <laughs> just a shock sort of, oh... <laughs> Well, that happened. 
Interesting. <laughs> yeah. All his stuff would be on the horse as well. Yeah, it, it was it was a pain. It, bizarrely, he then says no one could move uh, because he was blocking the way, and it took ages for a new horse to be brought to him so they could all continue. Atiliates was clearly an important man and was not going to walk. No. <laughs> Even just a bit was to let people pass. Oh no. Come on, sir. It's literally, if you just take five steps to the right, we can all get past you. No! <laughs> Fetch a new horse. Banquo was terrible. Yeah. So, anyway, Ateliates gets through the mountains, as does Romanos, but not everyone. Quite a few men died. Uh, but they did get through eventually, and they head back to the capital. As they're heading back to the capital, news reaches them that another Turkish raid had taken place in the region, but it was too late to do anything about it. Oh, I mean, they'd come yeah. and gone whilst they were in Syria. So they just kind of shrug a bit and then head back to Constantinople. Romanos spent a couple of months in the capital. Uh, he celebrated his victory against Aleppo, such as it was, and then again attempted to settle things in Constantinople, dealing with the fact that the Ducas were clearly plotting against him. Uh, still, the Turks were definitely the bigger problem, so soon enough, within just a couple of months, he was heading out once more. So now we get into Campaign 2. Yes. Campaign So I've already kind of given it away. It's not yeah. going to go as well as the first one. Uh, and, and that wasn't... It wasn't stellar? It wasn't, no. I'd say it's probably a C-. minus. Do, do we have a prediction for Campaign 2? I I don't think of an all-out defeat. I think it'd be something embarrassing. Like, oh, we went the wrong way, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, well, to begin with, the embarrassment is actually with his own troops. Uh, he wanted to set off immediately, um, but a Norman mercenary leader named Robert Crispin... Robert? Robert Crispin. Oh, that's like a that's like a medieval English writer's name, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's uh, Crispinos uh, was how he was known in the Roman Empire as it was. Robert Crispin is definitely anglicised. That sounds like a um, like a Charles Dickens. He's like a Charles Dickens character. It does sound like a Charles Dickens character, doesn't he? Robert... Hello, I am Robert Crispin. Yeah, but he had to my pie shop. Fingerless gloves. That's what he's wearing. <laughs> yes. And an orphan in his pocket. Do you care for a meat pie? <laughs> well, free orphan. Robert Crispin. Um... Orphans for sale. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, there was a problem with Robert Crispin. Uh, he... He's selling children. Well, he'd been left in the east, um, where all, <laughs> okay. all the raids were. Um, he was leading a group of Frankish mercenaries. Follow um, me, men! And, uh, well, they were in the region where most of the raiding was going on, but they were not happy with the pay that they'd just received. They didn't feel like it was enough. Tuppence is more than enough. Well, they, they rebelled. Oh, dear. Yeah. No, no, Robert Crispin's leading the rebellion. Oh! Yeah. Kill them all! <laughs> I'm loving your, your your Norman accent. Oh, yeah. It's very accurate. So you've got Robert Crispin in charge of the Frankish mercenaries in the east, where the Turks are raging, and the Frankish mercenaries rebel. Uh, this meant that the land they were meant to be protecting was once more open to the Turks. Ooh. So not only do you have the Frankish mercenaries raiding the countryside, but the Turks start pouring over the border once more. Ah, oh, dear. Romanos, sighing, sets off. Right, let's go and deal with this then. Uh, Crispin, however, heard of this and attempts to discuss things with Romanos. I say, Urbean! <laughs> well, he realises he's not got enough to uh, actually take on the Emperor uh, yeah. in pitch battle. 
so let's go and just talk. Maybe get a better deal. We'll stop uh, raiding your own countryside, and then we'll join you when we go and show Johnny Turk a thing or two. That's Robert Crispin's mindset, anyway. That's not Romanos's mindset. Romanos oh. had Robert Crispin arrested immediately and exiled. Oh, bugger. Yes. <laughs> However, that was just the leader. The Franks were still causing problems, and Romanos was forced to spend quite some time and energy putting down the revolt. Time he wanted to be putting down the Turkish raids. Yeah, not great, but still, he manages to get it done. And once that... I'd, I would say at this point, though, it's not his fault. Well, he it's maybe should natural distraction and... It's not, not ideal, though, is it? No, but I, I, I can't pull the blame on him. No, no, that's fair enough. Anyway, once once it was done, because he did manage to put it down, he turned his attention to the Turkish raids. He was able to chase down one raiding company. Uh, Romanos ordered the execution of every single soldier, despite oh. the leader promising a large ransom for his return. Uh, he just said no, and he executed literally everyone. Trying to be harsh. Yes. Uh, and then he sets off towards Lake Van. Uh, lake Van is a large lake on the very far right of Anatolia. It's uh, currently the very far right of modern Turkey, but so, right. but quite close to the border of uh, Turkey and Iran. You're near, you're near the sort of the caliphate area. Oh yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, now his plan is to start taking this region back off the Turks, because it was very much held by the Turks. His plan was to start with the city of Alat, which had fallen. Uh, with yeah. this city retaken, he would be able to start to hold on to the Armenian border much easier. Yeah. Now, able to make sure he could get Alat, uh, he needs to make sure he's not caught out of position. So Romanos splits his army. He leaves a large portion of his army defending a pass, which the Turks could use to come up behind him if they wanted to. So he blocks that off with a large portion of his army and carries on towards his target. Do you think literally? Like, like you know, in 300, with the wall out of dead bodies, that kind of thing. But with live soldiers... That might be more effective, as it turns out. Oh. Yeah, because rumour soon catches up with them. The portion of his forces he had left behind had been utterly wiped out. Oh. Yeah. So not only is the enemy potentially coming up behind him, he's now got half the troops that he used to. Damn it. Not great. Soon the rumour was confirmed by survivors from the battle appearing in dribs and drabs. The Turks who had defeated them were not actually on their way. They had rushed past and were now heading deep into Rome and Anatolia. So literally the Turkish army literally ran past the Roman army while they were marching down the road. Kind of uh, and wiped them out on the way, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, not great. It's not going well. No, well, Romanos sent orders to uh, close the passes leading out of the region uh, once more. Uh, and then he heads back westward, uh, desperately attempting to chase down this Turkish threat. Uh, however, the Turkish raiders who were there abandoned their plunder so they could manoeuvre quicker. Uh, they managed to get past the Roman troops who were supposed to be guarding the passes. Uh, Romanos was left with no more fighting season available to him and with no victories. And that's it. That's the end of this campaign. Oh. Yeah. So it ended with the army being essentially wiped out. Yeah, he, he lost half of his troops. And, uh, yeah, he put down the Frankish revolt. Uh, but, yeah, they, he, he did nothing to dent the Turks whatsoever. No. 
I bet they're laughing now. So. <laughs> well, it's not great. This is fun. It's very frustrated Romanos heads back to the capital, uh, less able to pretend that it was a glorious victory this time. Not now, Ducas, not now. <laughs> Just ah. imagine John and Celis either side of the gates as he's walking back into the capital. Do you know, round of applause. Hey, well done. Yeah, well how, done, how did Romanos. it go then? Was it, was it successful? Yeah? Ooh, your army looks a bit, bit smaller. <laughs> I take it we we uh, I take it the borders are back to Trajan levels now. Yeah, is, yeah. is that right? I'm yeah, quite back. Yeah, yes. doing well. Yeah, um, it doesn't help <laughs> that uh, at this point news comes from Italy. Uh, the very last Roman holding in Italy was about to fall to the Normans. This is the oh, city the of Bari. Uh, right. Bari's on the very back of the ankle of Italy. Uh, it had been sieged a couple of years before, and it was it was going to fall. Right. Uh, everyone in the empire in recent times has just been too busy to deal with this. I mean, if you remember, it's a good few episodes ago that Sicily was lost. Yeah. And uh, ever since then, the Italian holdings just didn't seem quite as important to the emperors. Well, if we've not got Sicily, does it really matter? So it was neglected, um, and it's it's about to fall completely. Would a good comparison, well, not quite, but would an okay comparison be like the Falkland Islands in the UK? Like really far away. It's like, oh, I'm sure they're fine. Then suddenly um, Argentina invade. Oh, <laughs> hang on. Maybe, maybe a little bit like that. I mean, it's obviously a lot closer. But yeah, it's it was a case of you've got the northern barbarians, the Pekenics coming over the Danube. You've got the, the Turks in, and the Fatimids in the east. It, it just didn't seem as important what was going on in Italy. And now mm. all of a sudden it's like, oh... Oh, it's about <laughs> it's about to fall, is it? Okay, well, we should probably do something about that, thinks Romanos. So Romanos puts some of the troops uh, that he's got and has put together uh, on a whole bunch of boats so they could sail for Italy to help reinforce the city. This is campaign three. No, no, this doesn't count. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Uh, 2.1. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the fleet of reinforcements, however, on the way to Italy was intercepted by a Norman general called Roger. No. That's right. Roger's gone rogue. No, Roger! He ha- he's had enough. He has had enough. He's had it Hello, up sir. to here. <laughs> <laughs> the general on the boat. But Roger? <laughs> Why are you grinning like that? Yes, this is, uh, this is Roger the First, or Roger the Great Count who would go on to take all of Sicily and essentially become the first king of Sicily. He's gone power mad. He has, yeah. yeah. Oh, there were, no, Roger. There were, there were future Rogers in the dynasty, but, I mean, it's obviously all the same Roger. Yeah. Yeah, um, he just puts on a different moustache or something. Uh, so oh. there you go, Roger's gone rogue. Who'd have thought it? Who saw that twist coming? What a, what a twist. What a twist. <laughs> a twist has been four years in the making as well. Yeah, I mean, there's. I knew there was a reason why he wasn't around in any of the sources in the American series. Yeah, what? Yeah, this is it why. It must be this. This is so why. There you go. So, uh, yeah, uh, Roger just puts an end to the reinforcements being sent to Bowery. And there you go. Things are looking bad. <laughs> Do you think he just delayed their post? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Subtle tactic, but it is. Well, when the post is the orders of what to do, it worked quite quite well, effectively. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Roger, never guess. Yeah, Barry would actually fall within the next few months, and the Roman Empire is once more fully kicked out of Italy for the last time this time. Oh, so that's it. That's it. Yeah. 
So you could argue now they're not called Romans. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could have argued that a while ago, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, Interesting. Italy's gone. As you can imagine, this doesn't go down well in the capital. No. Uh, nor did many of Romanos' reforms that were going on at the time either. In order to reform <laughs> the military so they could actually take on the Turks, Romanos was spending a fortune on the military. Well, that money has to come from somewhere. So he... and it's not being used effectively at all, is it? Well, he, he's doing his best, but the military has dead. just not been looked after enough, and he's making yeah. do with what he's got. Yeah. Um, so to make the money, he reduces the wages of governors. He uh, attempts to put the end of corruption in the courts. Yeah. Uh, the powerful, who were largely not happy with him anyway, start to like him even less. Uh, <laughs> but the money wasn't enough, so another way to raise funds is to do things like cancel the games. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the people now hating him as well. Should that's a good way to make money? Just charge an entrance fee? Oh, you, you uh, that that would have caused rebellion immediately, I'm no. guessing. It's just <laughs> not the done thing. It's not how it's or, seen. like they do in the cinema, expensive snacks. Oh, yeah, you should have thought about it, shouldn't they? <laughs> like really overpriced pick-a-mix at the yeah. entrance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, he, he didn't think of that. Or maybe he did, and maybe that's why he was so unpopular. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was so fed up. It's like, I could get this rat on a stick for, like, nothing back at home, and now suddenly three gold pieces. <sighs> I'm not sure why I think they're eating rats on sticks, but I'm guessing there's plenty of rats. And lots of sticks. And lots of sticks, and poor people, middle ages, rats on sticks. Yeah, yeah. that's what he did. Uh, anyway... Yeah, he spends an entire year uh, reluctantly in the capital. He wants to head back east to finally put the uh, threat of the Turks down. Uh, but he can't He can't get away from the capital city. Uh, the raids are continuing in the east, however. So Romanos called upon someone to lead the troops. Batman. Not Batman. Someone he oh. can trust. Oh, not Jeff. Oh, it's not John, is it? Obviously not John Ducas, no. I was going to say, no. Yeah, John Ducas despises him. Yeah, I was, yeah. However... Michael? Not, 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 not that. Eudocia. Do you I'll remember that there were two Brother Johns knocking about at the moment, and I asked you to keep an eye on both of them? There's obviously John Ducas, who you were very suspicious of, uh, and he's currently doing all he can to dethrone Romanos. But there's another Brother John, and this is John Komnianos. This is the brother to Isaac One. Yeah, I've got it underlined. Yeah, on yeah, there you go. Constantine Ten's thing. Yeah. John Com Comnenos. Yeah, if you remember back to Isaac's episode, John was with him the whole time. He was there in the tent while Celis was negotiating with Isaac. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, John Comnenos is he's still around. He's in his sixties by this point, so perhaps he was a bit old to go campaigning, although not necessarily. We've certainly seen it before. Uh, but John has a couple of sons. So these would be the nephews of the Emperor Isaac. Yeah. One of these sons is called Manuel. Oh! My name is Manuel. Manuel, who I'm guessing takes after the Manuels we've seen before with his yeah. pencil moustache, his little black cigarette, and he's just very cool. Can't do a Spanish accent. I'm not going to no. try. Cause it, was, it was just turned French. I can, it's going French in my head I, already. I, I think you gave Manuel a French accent. Even though he was Spanish. I'm fairly sure you did. I think it was oh, just gosh. a Manuel. I am Manuel. Yeah, that was it. That was Manuel's voice. Vigor European accent. 
Yeah, yeah, that was so it. It is strongly French. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Manuel is in his 30s, uh, and he has shown some promise. I'm young and vile. Well, he leads the forces east, whilst Romanos stayed in the capital, trying to politically fight against the Ducas family. Manuel, sure enough, did well enough. I mean, his name was Manuel, after all. Uh, he won various battles, uh, and he made the east a safer place probably whilst wearing a cape and having a really thin metal sword whilst he did it. And absolutely fantastic risk assessments. <laughs> exactly. Uh, however, he was then caught out of position one day after he's, his army was split. Uh, Ahmed. And he and his forces were captured by the Turks. Oh no! Romanos despaired at the news and then started to plan how he could deal with this situation. This, this is really bad. His leading general has been captured by the Turks. But then some unexpected news. The general in charge of the Turkish forces who had captured Manuel had defected and was bringing Manuel back to the capital. I use my silver tongue on him. <laughs> well, once the general arrived, the story became much clearer. The general, who was a man named Cronge... Uh... <laughs> That's almost like a stereotype barbarian name. <laughs> I am Cronge. Might be clongy, uh, it's, but I've, it, there's very different, various different spannings as is per usual. Cronge. Cronge, let's say that, I like that. Cronge. Cronge. Uh, yeah. Sounds like a disease. <laughs> Cronge well, disease. Perhaps, perhaps that was the reason, we don't know why, but apparently Cronge uh, was not liked by Alp Arslan. Uh, and Cronge feared that soon he was going to have a little accident whilst leading his troops. Oh dear. Yeah. So, once Manuel had been captured, Cronge had discussed with the young Roman general the possibility maybe of a defection. Manuel had said, sure, <laughs> sounds brilliant. Come back to the capital with me, I'll put a great word in for you. So, Romanos welcomed the enemy general, much to the disapproval of many in the Senate. Why? You got inside knowledge. Cronge was uh, Hunnic in descent, and the sheer racism of the Senate ah, meant that they did not understand why this barbarian uh, was allowed to be in the Senate room discussing things. Uh, Italiates makes it very clear that he's naturally just deformed due to his race. Yeah, yeah, it gets quite nasty. But yeah, Romanos didn't pay any attention to this. Cronge uh, had information uh, about the Turkish movements, and of course they were going to invite him in. Um, but what was more important than the Senate's disapproval was the fact that it got the attention of Alp Arslan. Yeah. Now, Arslan had not been dealing with the Romans for a couple of years. All I've been talking about the Turks recently uh, is just Turkish raids from detachments of the, the Turkish army, that yeah. not the main Turkish army. Uh, this is because Arslan had been focusing on his war with the Fatimids. He wants to take all of Syria, he wants to take down into Egypt eventually. So that, right. that's been his focus. But upon news that one of his generals had gone over to the Empire, Al Parsonan decided it was time to focus on the North once more. Let's oh, head dear. North, kick the Romans around a bit, and then we can head back south to the Fatimids. So he takes a large force, much bigger than the raiding parties of the previous years, and he heads into Anatolia. Once there, he quickly besieged and took a couple of fortresses near Lake Van, the aforementioned Arlat and another one called Manzakert. You're nodding in a kind of, oh, that's a big name, by the way. Yes, 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 it is. Yeah, there's no reason why you would know that name, but nope. anyone with a vague knowledge of this period of history will know the name Manzakert, for reasons you'll soon find out. I'll write it down. Yeah. Manzakert, and I'll put a 
bubble around it. However, after taking these fortress cities, uh, Arslan starts to get concerned. I mean, he realises fighting the Romans and the Fatimids at the same time is a bad idea. And now he's come up north and he's kicked the Romans around a little bit. Maybe it's time to head back into Syria. Uh, The Emir of Aleppo had recently decided to convert to Sunni Islam and announced his allegiance to the Turkish-controlled Abbasid Caliphate. So so the Emir of Aleppo had said, I'm on your side, Arslan. I'm with the Turks now. So this was a really good time for Arslan to take the region from the Shiite Fatimids. So Arslan planned to head south into Syria to make sure the area was definitely his. And then some envoys from Romanos suddenly turn up. How about a peace treaty? The city oh. Romanos captured in a, in Syria three years previously. Remember he captured that city not far from Aleppo? Yeah. Well, tell you what, you can have that. And uh, in return, give me back Manskirt and we'll call it quits. And then you can focus on the Fatimids. So this is the Romans saying this to... Yeah. Now, Arslan was heading south anyway, so he accepts. And he heads mm. south. Sounds like an alright deal to me. And take some pressure off from the Romans. That's yeah. good. In However, Romanos had no intention of peace whatsoever. The envoys was a stalling tactic. Ah. Yeah. Romanos didn't realise that Arslan was heading south anyway, so this was his attempt to slow Arslan's advance into Roman territory down. An unneeded one, it turns out, but it was ah. a stalling tactic. Because Romanos headed off at roughly the same time. And now we get into campaign three. So how badly does this one go? Well, I mean, they're not not as been as awful as I was expecting. So I, what I think on my head's probably not what's going to happen. What do you think in your head? I see. I don't know, but I, I I don't think it's going to be as humiliatingly awful as I'm probably expecting. No. I mean, I'm thinking a, a large defeat by now. Okay. But. Let's find out then, shall we? Italiates is once more riding with the Emperor, and he tells us of an omen on the way. Omen time! It's omen time. This omen, uh, it wasn't a bird in the distance. It wasn't a cloud going the wrong way. It wasn't strange reflections from the sun. Um, it was <laughs> Romanos's house that he was staying in at the time uh, on fire. That's not an omen, that's just bad luck. And, and <laughs> poor fire hazard management. Yeah, Romanos had to uh, run out of the house uh, as the building burnt down. And he got out easily enough, uh, but most of his belongings went up in flames, including some of his horses. Oh! Yeah. Uh, Italiates paints a grisly picture of distressed, half-burnt horses rushing here and there throughout the camp. Uh, In fact, I'll quote Italiates here, being no use whatsoever. Oh, that's cold. That's very cold, isn't it? See, I never used to care about horses until I played that game that I would need to stop mentioning. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you don't want to half burn your horse. It's not no, good. No, then call it useless. Yeah. It's like just, you're knocking its confidence and... Just imagine Italiates, like, pen in hand. It's like, I'd best get this down for the history book, just looking up <laughs> at a horse on fire. You are useless. Nelly, Nelly, look at me, Nelly. Useless. Horse just stops, looks at the guy, head down, trots off slowly. Sorry. Sits and slowly burns to death under a tree. Yeah. Which then sets on fire and sets fire to another horse. It's a (laughs) cycle. Horrible stuff. Horrible. It is. Yeah. uh, Still, um, 
yeah, Taliates takes this as a bad omen, but still, they, <laughs> they carry on regardless. Eventually, they get to the region of Lake Van once more. Right, in order to make clear what's going on, it's map time, Jamie. We've not done this <gasps> for a while, have we? No. No. Rectangle for the map. Portrait or landscape? Uh, landscape. Go landscape. Or just a square will do. Uh, as per usual, if you have no pen near you, don't, don't bother. Just imagine it. I'm going to make it nice and simple. In the middle of the map, filling about the same amount of space as the circle does in the Japanese flag, draw Lake Van. As a circle? Or Lake Van is in no way a circle whatsoever, but for the purposes of this map, it might as well be. So, yeah. Just draw a lake. I've gone a bit weird shape, but I hope that's okay. Oh, can't. Yeah, yeah, that's not too far off. That'll do. Yeah. yeah. I'll um, put some wiggly lines in it. Or oh, can put monster in it. Yeah, yeah. Put Loch Ness in it. It's before we moved to Scotland. <laughs> uh, just so you get an idea of the scale here, um, I did a very quick look using Google Earth. Um, so this isn't really precise, but I'm fairly sure you could probably fit the entirety of Greater London into this lake. We're talking about the same size as the M25. This is not a small lake. This is a you-can-see-it-from-space kind of lake. This is big. big? It's big, yeah. It's a big lake. I imagine, is it attached to, like, the Black Sea or something? No, no, it's not, but you're not... It's separate. Yeah, yeah, it's separate. Fresh water. Good for fishing. It's big. It's big. It's a big lake. So, now that's in the middle of your map. Uh, Now, let's put Manzikert on the map. Uh, Go into the top left-hand corner of the map. Yep. And just put a dot there. That's Manzikert. Fortified city. Got it. Cool. And then uh, Alat. Alat is also top left, but is on the shore of the lake. So sort of like... Yeah, just there. there. Perfect. Yeah. So you've got two cities in the top left of your map, and you've got a big lake in the middle. Yeah? Yep. Romanos appears in the area from the left-hand side and then sets about taking the two fortified cities back. To begin with, he's, like I say, coming from the left, he heads towards Manskirt. So he goes north? Uh, well, no, no, he approaches it from the left. He approaches from the top left-hand corner of the map. So he's heading towards Manskirt, but he takes a small section of his forces, and he sends them down to Alat to scout the area out. Now, Romanos knew that Alp Arslan would have heard about him being in the area by now, and realised those peace talks were just a ruse. So... Arslan was most likely heading north from Aleppo, which is pretty much due south, uh, to counterattack. So Romanos's scouting army was to go to the left-hand side of the lake, just south of Alat, and just watch out for Arslan. Yep. Now, back to Romanos. He moves on Manzikert, and, long story short, takes it, with relative yeah. ease. Uh, he then takes his forces and heads for the second target, which is Alat. Everything's going well so far. Yeah, this is really positive. Yeah, but he's not heard from his scouting force for a while. Oh, no. <laughs> the one by the lake. So... The monster. I mean, <laughs> well, what do you do if, um, I don't know, you're in a cabin in the woods and you hear a noise and you send someone out and uh, they'd never return? What do you do? Well, you like human nature, you go and have a look, don't you? Just to see. Well, you send someone else out to look for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So, same principle here. He puts together a second scouting army Jeff! Uh, to go and look for the first one. So, off they go. He waits for a while. Um, nothing. Here's nothing. So, what do you do? I mean, by this point, I'd want to go and see myself. Yeah, he doesn't send out a third. He then just goes, you know what, let's just head towards Alat. I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) 
I'm guessing it's just so safe over there, the scouting parties have just settled and are having a nice time. Picnic? Yeah. Gone On fishing? the beaches of the lake, maybe. Yeah. Just sunning themselves. That must be it. Yeah. Uh, it was around this time, however, that Romanos finally received word from his second scouting party, not the first one. Uh, Alp Arslan was in the area and had wiped them all out. Yeah. No one knew what had happened to the first larger scouting army. Oh. Yeah. However, I can tell you what's happened, because we know through the uh, the trickery of history, and because we're not actually there at the time, we know that Alp Arslan, instead of heading north from Aleppo and appearing at the bottom of the map, had in fact worked his way around the massive lake, anti-clockwise, and had appeared from the east. See, do you know, I was thinking that when I was drawing the map, thinking we could just go around, because they're not expecting that. Yeah, that's exactly what he does. Uh, He had defeated the first scouting army, and managed to convince the survivors that Romanos had also been defeated. So the survivors of the scouting army just decide to head home. Oh, that's even worse. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, done Arslan, that's some good work there. Yeah. Romanos, of course, knew nothing about this. All he knew was that he has a scouting army out on the field, but his second one has been destroyed by Arslan. Not long afterwards, Romanos receives word from Arslan himself. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) What up? I'm in the area. How about we call this quits? I'm quite busy in Aleppo at the moment, fighting against the Fatimids. Tell you what, if you go home, we'll pretend this didn't happen. (sighs) See two minds then you're kind of thinking well that would be easier and i've got almost a hundred percent chance of survival if i follow what he's suggesting but yeah. i'm the that'd be embarrassing if i go back yeah i mean i can say yeah i took um manzikert i can say i've taken it wait try it for yeah me. but he'd lose it immediately if exactly. he leaves the area exactly yeah. uh so really the only thing left is to go and show old johnny turk bit of Roman steel. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's pretty much Romanos' thinking. He realises if, if he accepts this, he'll lose the throne. The Ducas will use it as a way to just get rid of him. Yeah. He's got to defeat Arslan in battle. It's the only way forward. Now, mm-hmm. Romanos did delay, however. He was still waiting for his first scouting army to come back. Because <laughs> that was a good chunk of his army, so... Do you think, how long... How, how far had they gone before they realised and then not decided to come back? Just a new messenger come up. No, no, come back. The Emperor's alive. We need to go to tax. What can't, can't hear you, kill the messenger. Can't hear you. Notice that all of this miscommunication in the Roman army causing all this trouble coincides with Roger deciding to start his own empire exactly. in Sicily. Exactly, yeah. Manskirt, by the way, is used a lot as the turning point in the Roman Empire that leads to its eventual fall. So, Is this the pivot, then? This is considered the pivot, in the same way that Adrianople's considered a pivot for the Western Empire. Oh, yeah. dear. Yeah, see? So, you could argue Romanos IV is his entire fault that the Roman Empire is. Oh, well, we're not judging him yet. Let's carry on. Okay. How do, how do you think this battle's going to go? Oh, not well. Not well at all. <laughs> well, uh, Romanos waits in vain for a while, uh, but in the end realizes that he's got he's got to he's got to do battle. He can't wait for his troops. That he's sure it's just round the the hill. Surely they're coming back soon, any day now. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, they line up in battle formation. All eight of them. Well, actually, the Romans do have the numbers still. Um, Numbers vary wildly, uh, as is usual for this time and in all times in history. Uh, But it is considered that roughly Arslan's got maybe about 30,000 troops and Romanos has around 50,000 troops. Battle map time, so we understand what's going on here. Okay. Pop your Romans at the top. You've got a big chunk of what I'm going to call the central force in the middle. That's got Romanos in it. Right. And then he's got a left wing and a right wing. Like a chicken. Uh, Yeah, just like a chicken. Only unlike a chicken, these wings are made up of European mercenaries. (laughs) Which is rare for a chicken. I don't know, have you been to KFC recently? (laughs) That's that's the Roman line. Uh, The Turkish line, which isn't just Turks, obviously. You've got various people like you do in the the Roman army. Uh, But the Turkish line has what I'm going to call the central forces in the middle of their line, with Arslan in it. And you've got a left and a right wing. These two lines are pretty much even in numbers. However, where Romanos has the advantage is behind his line, he has got the reserve army. Ooh. Yeah, a significant chunk of men that... uh, They've got one job. Wait till the battle starts... Look for whichever is the weakest, the left, the right, or the central uh, part of the line, and then go and reinforce that. Basically, stay at the back, jump in when you feel like it's necessary. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) They're being slaughtered. (laughs) Well, there is a slight problem. Take a guess who's in charge of this reserve army. Now, it's not someone we've come across before, but we've come across his family. Uh, It's through for the Duca's family. Andronicus Ducas. Oh, no. This is the son of John Ducas. Oh. Yeah. And also the nephew of Constantine X, therefore. Uh, Historians have speculated quite a bit why Romanos entrusted such an important role to a Ducas. Built trust over time. He's had months and years to kind of wheedle his way in. Possibly. uh, I've done it in this podcast. Uh, possibly a case of keep your enemies close. But like that's a lot close. of trust, though. There's a lot of trust. I read somewhere that maybe he was uh, a, an unofficial hostage to make sure the Ducas didn't try anything back in the capital. Oh. He kept Andronicus Ducas with him. That's Just a kind of, not beyond the realms of possibility. Yeah, either way. <laughs> As you'll see, bad move. Anyway, the battle begins. To begin with, uh, look at the Turkish line at the bottom of your map. The wings start spreading out. They start heading towards the Roman forces, but they spread out as wide as possible, trying to pince around either side of the Roman forces. Yeah. They just keep spreading and spreading, and therefore the Roman forces, in order to counter this, spread as well. Uh, So the line is being dragged thinner and thinner and thinner. Uh, Eventually, the wing sections are no longer like a continuous line. You've got the two central parts of the army facing each other. Yeah. Then you've got huge gaps, and then you've got the two wings facing each other. So it's almost like you've got three separate battles potentially starting. Now, this is fine, because Romanos felt that one-on-one, he can take the Turkish troops. In fact, if he pushes forward now, he will be able to take Arsenal's central forces. We have more. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Easy. We've got the reserves behind us. We will be fine. And we've got flaming horses! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It was a great idea. I'm I'm not convinced (laughs) that it's it's scary. It looks scary. Yeah. 
anyway, uh, Romanos orders his central forces to push forward and attack, and slowly, ever so slowly, they force Arsenal's central force backwards. Oh dear. You seen a problem? No, well, I, are they just making a circle? Well, Romanos pushes Arsenal's forces back so much that Arslan actually retreats past his own camp. So, if you're looking at your map, you've got, right at the top, the reserve Roman forces still. You have Romanos himself right in the middle of the map, next to the Turkish camp. Yeah. You've got Arslan's central forces almost falling off the bottom of the map, and then you've got the wings of both armies on the sides. He's now surrounded. Ah, well, it's fine, because the Roman wings have positioned themselves, so they are kind of in between the Turkish wings and Romanos' central forces. So the wings can't suddenly swoop in, there's Roman forces yeah, yeah. in the way. So it's fine, everything's okay. Anyway, this carries on for a while. Uh, this takes almost the whole day to get to this position, and it starts to get dark. <laughs> no so fighting Romanus... yet, it's just... <laughs> Well, there's, there's been skirmishes, little bits of fighting backwards and forwards, mostly though it's manoeuvring. Uh, Romanos decides to retreat back to the Roman camp, start again tomorrow. It's going to be one of those type of battles. So, he, he ordered the Turkish camp be plundered a little bit, since they're standing right next to it. Well. At least get that. At least the Turks won't have a good night's sleep tonight. Uh, and then he sounds the retreat. You know, the, the famous Admiral Akbar line in Star Wars, Return the Jedi... <laughs> It's a trap! Well, it is at this point that everything goes very, 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 very wrong. <laughs> That's a lot of varies. Oh, yes. Seeing the banner of the Emperor suddenly turn round in the gloom, Andronicus Ducus, in charge of the reserve troops, turns to his men and declares that the Emperor has obviously fallen. Oh and announces the retreat of the reserves. They all turn and just leave the battlefield. Oh. Meanwhile, Arslan, who has been waiting for this very moment, not the retreat of the reserves, he had no idea that was going to happen, uh, but he was waiting for Romanos to turn round. And as soon as Romanos did turn round, Arslan sprung his plan. Charge! He, well, he swivelled round and sprung towards one of the wings. If we're looking at the uh, the map right. above the wing on the right. Right. Now remember, that wing has been turned enough that the Roman forces are kind of on the inside. They're not facing and the right way. The Turkish forces are on the outside. Oh. Well now that wing suddenly finds themselves in between the Turkish wing and the Turkish central forces. Oh. Now that's fine. Well, it's not ideal, but it's not a problem because the reserve Roman army can just swoop in and help the wing out. Or at least that was the original plan. Yeah, what, but what the reserve, reserve army are currently leaving the field. Yeah. Romanos watches this in absolute horror. He sees his reserve's troops leaving. He waits in vain for them to notice the mistake and come back, and it's, it's not happening. Accepting the fact that reserves are not coming, Romanos took his forces to go and help the wing that was under attack out. But by this point, it's too late, because things are getting worse. Because if you go over to the other wing, so the wing on the left-hand side on the map, the Roman forces on that wing had seen the central force turn round and then seen the reserve forces flee the battlefield, oh. and then seen the other wing on the opposite side of the battlefield utterly surrounded, and decided, you know what, it looks like we've lost this, let's get out of here. 
Right. So they flee. That frees up the Turkish wing on this side of the battlefield. So they spin round, face the middle, and start heading in that direction. And where's Romanos still? Oh, he's down in the middle. He's right in the middle, surrounded by Turkish forces. The oh. only Romans on the battlefield are the ones that are being wiped out in the right wing, or the ones in the centre. It's not going well. It's not. But it's then that Romanos decides something. Leg it, boys! Oh no, he is going to fight to the death. Oh. For the glory of Rome. One day in a thousand years, I'm sure people will talk about me and my bravery, and only my bravery. Yeah, it's at that point his horse was shot from under him. Oh. He lands on the floor and in the mud and the dust. Still, he jumps up. Uh, He fights hand-to-hand on foot for a while, as his troops are surrounded, being hacked apart. Uh, Apparently, according to Taliates, he managed to even kill a couple of the enemies personally, before his hand was hit by a sword, forcing him to drop his own. So he gets a nasty injury on his hand. That's gonna hurt. Yeah. Now, it's all very well deciding you're going to fight to the death, but when you can't hold your sword anymore, and you're surrounded by people pointing spears and swords in your direction... uh, it's very hard to fight to the death. He's just, he just death. <laughs> no, not death. Exactly how bad did you think this was going to go? He surrenders. Oh, he surrenders? Oh, yeah. <laughs> time out, time out, I give up. <laughs> well, he and the soldiers around him are rounded up and put under guard as the Turks celebrate their victory. And Romanos spends a very uncomfortable night attempting to convince his immediate captors that he's actually the emperor. Really? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't got his horse. His standard's not there anymore. Uh, he might have some fancy armour, but everything's all messy at the end of a battle. So, Do you think yeah. he got some coins out of his purse? It looks just like me. <laughs> you don't look like an ant. Well, uh, it takes a while, but eventually enough were convinced that word was sent to Arslan. Apparently we've got Romanos, like the Emperor Romanos. Oh. Uh, Arslan also wasn't convinced. <laughs> no. Like, why would Romanos not have retreated earlier to save himself? He had time to flee the battlefield. Of course he would have fled the battlefield. However, he did have a couple of men with him who had been envoys and had met Romanos before. So this prisoner was brought forth, as were the envoys, and they confirmed that this bedraggled prisoner indeed was the Emperor of the Romans. Romanos was dragged before the Sultan, placed on the floor where Arslan symbolically placed his foot on the neck of Romanos. That's never happened before, has it? We've had, oh, we've, him. Had it. we've had it once before, remember? Way back in series one with Valerian. The, the hat stand. The hat stand. <laughs> yes, but this feels a lot more humiliating. Uh, only because we've got more detail. We don't get That's the detail there. Fair point, yeah. Apart from the fact he was turned into a hat stand, which yeah. is very humiliating. Yeah. Still there now yeah. to this day. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say through various. Uh, exchanges that have happened throughout history. Valerian is in the corner of this tent. (laughs) Arsene's managed to capture it. So there you go. Romanos is on the floor. What do you think happens now? Do you know, I'd let him go. That's more humiliating than anything else, right? Well, Arsene reaches down and pulls the Emperor to his feet, and I quote, Do not fear, Emperor. And above all, be of good hope that you will suffer no bodily punishment, and instead will be honoured in a manner worthy of your station. 
Romanos was then given a tent to himself, uh, given some attendance. His hand was washed and dressed, uh, bandaged up, uh, and generally he was treated very well. That's surprising, actually. What is it, really? Because would the Romans have done the same thing? Yeah, we get to that. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Arslan tried to decide what to do with his great fortune, because this this... He could not have hoped for a better outcome to this battle. He's got the Roman Emperor in his hands. Uh, for the next week, the two men met daily, and Romanos was treated very well. Unfortunately, we get very few details, but we do get one more exchange between them, probably from near the start. And what would you have done if you had held me in your power like this? asked Arslan. Romanos apparently replied, Know that I would have inflicted much torture upon your body. You must have massive balls to say something like that to your captor. <laughs> well, Arslan simply replied, but I will not initiate your severity or your harshness. Arslan is a very sensible ruler and knows how to use uh, situations to his advantage well. He realised he could gain a lot, and I mean a lot more from an alive Romanos than a dead one. After all, the Romans were already humiliated. Killing Romanos was not going to add to that humiliation. Instead, what he could do is make a deal with Romanos and then release him. Because if he does that, one of two things is going to happen. Either Romanos will go back to Constantinople, reclaim his throne, and enact the deal, which obviously is very favourable to the Turks. Yeah. Or his return would spark a civil war for the Romans. And Arslan could then focus on the Fatimids whilst the Romans were infighting. Win-win. Win-win. So that's what he does. To begin with, he suggested a ransom of 10 million gold coins. Oh. Uh, Romanos was then forced to admit that the Empire could only afford a fraction of that. What about gold-ish coins? <laughs> when you say million, how about literally a million, not ten? That 1.5 million was eventually agreed <laughs> upon, and then an annual payment of a third of a million. Oh. Uh, oh, and one more thing, said Arslan. Uh, our children, they will marry. We will unify the royal families. And who knows what will happen. Peace in our time. <laughs> snigger, snigger. <laughs> then, uh, Romanos, I, I, he was forced to agree, so he does. And then he's released. Arslan gave him a large retinue, uh, just for his protection, of course. Yeah. Uh, and then that's it, set him free. Off you go. Bye, Romanos. Make sure retinue, make sure you carry these massive Turkish flags as you're, you're travelling, yeah. by the way. Uh, just uh, whenever you want with the money, uh, Romanos. There's no rush. Just, just whenever you can get it all together. Bye. <laughs> Toodaloo. Arslan must have just been grinning to himself so oh, yeah. much. Uh, and Romanos uh, just finds himself in a dusty part of the world, all alone. Surrounded by a Turkish retinue. So what's he do? Does he try and run? Doesn't run. He heads back to the capital. What else is he going to do? But there's a problem. It's not his capital anymore. Oh, it's definitely not. <laughs> uh, he soon learns that John Ducas and Celus had worked together and nunned his wife Eudocia. Okay. Yeah. She wouldn't uh, like that. Uh, she was not best pleased, no, but she's she's nunned. Uh, young Michael is now being hailed as the true emperor. Now, we actually don't get a huge amount of detail on the next part, unfortunately. It would appear that a number of small skirmishes took place. The Ducas family managed to raise some troops, but don't forget, 
the military faction were always behind Romanos. So he's able to raise some troops quite quickly. The two sides seem to be fairly evenly balanced. If we can trust Italiates, in fact Romanos was starting to get better of the Ducas side in this short civil war, uh, but no decisive victories took place. Right. Romanos then learnt that the Emperor Michael had released from exile a certain mercenary leader. It's Robert Crispus again. Ah, uh, hello! <laughs> Time to kick some ass. Yes, with his traditional Norman accent. Yes. I mean, it's why English people sound like that. It's after 1066. Yeah. It was the Normans that introduced that accent. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Crispus had managed to defeat one of his few allies, so things weren't going well. In fact, things were going so bad, Romanus decides to flee. <laughs> he can't make his way to Constantinople. He's not got the support. So he heads back to Sicilia, bottom right of Anatolia. He holds up there for a while. He writes to Arslan, hoping maybe he could get support from Arslan, but no, <laughs> Arslan doesn't care. Uh, and, Rom- who's, uh, who the hell's Romana? Oh, that, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh, the Emperor, oh. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, did he not manage to get back to concert? Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Oh, well. Yeah, uh, Romanos realised the game was up, his strength was evaporating, he had no decent claim on the throne, and the powerful and the public mostly despised him. There was just no point fighting anymore. It was none other than Andronicus Ducus who then appeared in the area. Remember the guy who was in charge of the reserve forces? Oh, yeah. And had just abandoned him. <laughs> oh, it's you! Sorry, I thought <laughs> you'd dead. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, Andronicus Ducas promised Romanos that he would be treated well if he surrendered. We'll pop you in a monastery somewhere. We'll monk you and go and live on an island. Live out your life in peace. Seeing no other way out, Romanos surrenders. He was placed on a donkey, dressed as a monk, and paraded through any town or city the troops passed through on the way back to the capital, and humiliated. Oh. Romanos probably thought that life could get no worse. <laughs> Life gets a lot worse. Uh, They're almost home when word comes from John Ducas. Oh, no. Blind him. Oh. And we actually get the details of the blinding. Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't usually. No, we did We did once, didn't we, with a hot poker and stuff, but... Or spoons. Uh, the, the burning of the acid. Yes. The acid vapours yeah, in the yeah. eyes. Yeah, we got that detail once. Uh, they, don't, they don't go for um, burning vinegar this time. No. Chopsticks. Instead, well, you're not far off. Oh. I'll quote Taliates. <laughs> they tied down his four limbs, and many men held him down with shields on his belly. Then they used an iron pin to destroy his eyes in an extremely painful and cruel way while he roared and bellowed like a bull. Now, it's not this recount, but Taliates earlier on uh, in his history... Uh, recalls a time where someone is blinded using an iron tent pin. So it wouldn't surprise me if the same thing's being used here. It's just one of the pins they used to put up the tents. Uh, I've basically got mud on it as well, isn't it? Uh, probably. Three times they plunged the iron into his eyes. No! Until the prone man swore an oath that his entire power of sight had poured out and flowed away. Yeah, nasty. Mm. You look shocked. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Romanos was then placed uh, back on his donkey, uh, and they carried on. His wounds were not treated in any way whatsoever, and like you say, that was not a clean iron pin. And soon enough, his head, and I quote, 
His head and his face were all swollen up. Like the maggots a... were visibly dropping off. Oh my god, like a pumpkin. <laughs> this is why it's probably best to imagine everyone with a pumpkin head, because <laughs> this bit would be less horrific. We can go back to Celus here, because uh, Celus tells us of this event. I'll quote him here. I'm reluctant to describe a deed that should never have taken place. That's and yet, a... And yet, <laughs> if I may alter my words slightly, it was a deed that should have taken place by all means. On the one hand, the scruples of religion, as well as a natural unwillingness to inflict pain, would forbid such a deed. But on the contrary side, the state of the affairs of the time and the possibility of a sudden change in the fortune of both parties proclaimed that this deed must be done. So, of course, horrific, horrible. Wouldn't, I'd never condone such a thing, but we had to do it. Had to what be done. Ass. What an absolute ass. So, uh, yeah, you'll be unsurprised to learn that Romanos dies a few days later from his wounds. Yeah. And there we go. One of the more depressing lives of an emperor we've ever covered, I'd say. Yeah, do you know what? I, like, I was expecting to laugh at him, but like, not not just the ending, but I, I feel sympathy for him. Because a lot of things were out of his control, yeah. things have been set up, but he, he didn't have control of a no. lot of this. He out was not awful. No. But the, the situation of the time meant that he just could not do anything. He's a victim of circumstance. Yes, yes, he is. And I feel uh, sorry for him, and I think I'm going to judge him kindly, I think. <laughs> well, talking of judging, let's do it. Fightius Maximus! Well, he fought a lot, didn't he? Well, he did. Yeah. yeah, he did. But let's be realistic here. Apart from a couple of victories against Turkish raiders and the Fatimid-controlled Aleppo, he achieved nothing. No. Manzikert is considered, as I said earlier, as one of the most important battles in all of history. A, a turning point of Roman fortune. Now, as ever, I personally think this is blown out of proportion by far, uh, just as Adrianople, when Valens lost to the Goths, which is pointed out as the reason why the West fell, uh, the truth is more complex than that, as we saw with Adrianople. Yeah. It wasn't just that one battle, there was all sorts of stuff going on uh, that meant that the West started to fall apart. Uh, but it is a handy pivot point you can point at on a timeline and in a map and say this here, everything after this, is rubbish. Yeah, it's like, I, I felt it was a bit of a slide, a bit of an incline, or a decline, yeah. I guess. Now it's just, like, severely inclined. Yeah, just... I mean, you can't deny the fact that Arslan does very, very well here. Uh, and the Romans are really going to struggle to come back from this. Do they? Uh, I don't want to ruin the story, but the, no. <laughs> uh, the Turks are now taking over the border, and uh, the Romans are undergoing a civil war, and, so are unable to fight back. And where Constantinople is now, we now call it Turkey, don't we? <laughs> that, that is a hint, yes. Yeah, okay. That is definitely a hint. Right. Bear that in mind. I mean, it's not quite so straightforward as that, as you'll no. find out. But, uh, yeah, um, it's a shame. He, he's a big fighter. He should get some points for all the fighting he does, but you can't deny that well, he's he married. Did, he did terribly. But he's married for his fighting ability. Yeah, exactly. But I feel sorry for him because it wasn't necessarily his fault, but I'm going to give him a couple anything. of token points because he he's <laughs> for sympathy. he fought so much. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's wrong to give him no points because yeah. he was a very fighty emperor, but considering he lost so much, <laughs> he wins I can't some, give him high points. Just nothing major. I'm going to give him... I almost think two is too much. <laughs> I'm going to give him one. One. Fair enough. 
he can have a point. From you, two for me, that is three. Next. Aprovium Crazium. There's really nothing here. Uh, there's one story that Italiates gives us, which is whilst they were on campaign, in the third campaign, on the way uh, to Manskirt, uh, one of the soldiers stole a donkey, and a very annoyed Romanos ordered that the soldier have his nose cut off, which was uh, seen as very severe punishment for a soldier. I mean, you might do that to an emperor to make sure they can't become emperor, but it wasn't seen as normal punishment. Uh, in fact, I quote here, the soldier begged and begged, but the emperor showed no mercy. Was it the emperor's private donkey? Or maybe it was. Did the em- was emperor have that donkey for his own personal amusement? I think the emperor had that donkey. It's the only thing that survived the fire. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, so he was a little bit harsh, but there's nothing really here. There's no stories of him being crazy or doing crazy things. Okay. He seemed like an emperor who was doing his best. Yeah. His best wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah. I'll give him depth. one one point for the fact that he's got a story about chopping someone's nose off. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I'll, I'll match okay. that. Two. Success Ultimus. <laughs> well, if you if you're ever going to give zero in this round, I mean, this is a prime example of it. I mean, his his reign was an utter failure in every conceivable way. Yeah, yeah. The Roman Empire loses all lands in Italy. Yep. They uh, no longer control their own border in the east. Yeah. Uh, Syria, he, he took and lost. <laughs> yeah, he fails to put down the internal problems that's going on in the empire. It's a zero, straight zero. It's got to be, yeah. Yeah. Okay, next. Image of Now, we do have the image from last episode with Eudocia, you remember? Because Romanus yes. was on that. Yeah. Uh, however, you know what I want to do? I want to judge him on another image. And I think it just about, just about fits in our rules. Because this image was created a couple of hundred years later. You can tell. It's got um, a lovely flat medieval-style painting. Yeah. I, I think it just falls in before the fall of Constantinople. That's, yeah. I couldn't quite pin down the date exactly, it, but I'm going to say it does it's, just. It's pre-Holbein, definitely. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to accept it. It's a medieval picture. This is uh, depicting Arslan with his foot on the neck of Romanos ah. after he's been captured. So that's Romanos on the floor looking really sad with a foot on his neck. Yeah. Uh, it's not great, but I quite like the picture. I quite like it. Nothing quite like it before. Arsenal looks terrifying. He looks like a ghost. Spooky. He does very pale. Yeah. And white he, eyes as well. Yeah, that's quite freaky, actually. Yeah, he, he looks very creepy. Mm. Um, yeah, oh. It's not a great image. I, mean, I suppose I could go back to the one that we were using with Eudocia because this is perhaps more accurate. Let's go to this one. There you go. There's Romanus on the left. Uh, you can't see much of his face. Uh, it's quite nice. Yeah, I like the. I'd say I've got to give this one the same as I gave Eudocia last time because it's uh, it's the same relief. Mm. And they're very similar to each other. What did I give Eudocia last time? Um, you gave seven. I gave eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to match it. I'm going to have seven this time, <laughs> just to be inconsistent. I, I'm going to give seven because it's no longer original. I'm going slightly lower. You went you went seven last time. Oh, right. You, so you went down one. Oh, that's fine. As long as one of us goes down one. There yeah. we go. So that is a score of... 3.5. 
3.5. Uh, both of those images, by the way, are on the Wikipedia page for Romanos if you want to see it. Okay, how long do you think he lasts? I think three years, three or four years, something like that. Yeah, yeah, you got it. But on ten six eight to ten seven one is his reign. So let's call that three years divided by eight is zero point three eight. What is his score? Eight point eight eight. Eight point eight eight. What a nice score. It's nice, but also terrible. Oh, it's atrocious, but it's lovely, lovely to write. He he tried. He tried his best. He did. And for that, he nearly gets nine points. But ultimately, <laughs> he failed. He did. So, last question. Do they have a certain genesis? No. Absolutely not. No. But I feel very sorry for him, though. I feel sorry for him, but just all, all the work and the trickery and the great political shenanigans of Eudocia to yeah. set this up. It's like she threw the perfect ball for him. And he swung and he missed. I would say he swung and hit it, but the ball was actually a bowling ball. He swung and hit it, and the ball went straight into the personification of Rome's face. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. So there we go. That is a... That's a no. And that is Romanos 4. And where's the Empire go from here, Jamie? Oh, down. I'm getting flashbacks to season the, the end of season one. Where we're at, we have that. How many emperors left, roughly? Uh, we've got roughly twenty-five more uh, emperors left. Yeah, I think uh, we're about here before, maybe we're about thirteen or fifteen. But it, that feeling of it's just going to be quick. <laughs> you might be surprised. There is okay. a, a bit of a, uh, a resurgence at one point, quite soon. You have to define uh, but, resurgence. <laughs> But it's very much the uh, the bump on the water slide down. Excellent. Yeah. Anyway, we've got all of that fun to come because it is Michael next. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Michael obviously very much being controlled by John Ducas and Celis, so they're still around. Hey, hey. Yeah. But we'll see how he gets on in the next episode. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for listening, and thank you for downloading us on Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. I hope this extra spooky episode was not too scary. No, if if, if any of the uh, the scary incidences uh, concerned you or worried you, please uh, message us on Facebook and we will uh, try and make it right for you. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, and I think that's all we need to say. There's, there's no further messages as well. No. No, right. Well, until next time then. Goodbye. Right, lads. Heard your podcast. Heard you want some ideas about the end sketch. Yeah, yeah, Romanos, come and sit down. Um, yeah, thanks for coming along. So, uh, th- thanks for coming in. Uh, all the Empress so far have uh, come in and, uh, well, we've we discussed uh, the possibility yep. of some kind of end sketch with them. Yep, um, that's good. Yeah, oh, uh, I like your end sketches. They're very amusing. Unless they're, in fact, when I download your episodes, that's the first one I'll skip to. Oh, oh that's, uh, thank you very much. Uh, that's really good. Anyway, yeah, thank um, you. 
I'm, I'm going to be completely honest, uh, and Jamie, uh, let me know if I'm speaking out of turn here. But uh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Good, good. Uh, uh, Romanos, we're, we're struggling, Romanos. What with? Your your after episode sketch. Why? So so much happened. Yeah, but none of it was funny, was it, Romanos? In fact, I'd I'd go as far as to say it was terrible. I mean, it was just one unmitigated what? disaster after another, wasn't it, Romanos? No, I'm married into the royal family. Yeah, that's that's not funny. That's that's typical. Tell you what, give, give us give us something to work with here. I, I'm not saying we shouldn't do it, but we we need something. All right, all right. How about um, I invade Syria? Yeah, and then we do a telephone call where I'm leaving messages. You know the the scouting mission. That was it. I'll, I'll I'll leave some messages on a telephone on a answer on a, on a on a machine a message machine that was it and 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 they're gone they're not there I'm not asking where they are repeatedly. Yeah, this is where you just utterly failed to scout ahead and therefore you're yeah you're scouting. Yeah, it was just I'm not really sure it's something we should laugh about. How, how would you even know what a telephone is? That's a very good question. Oh no. No, no, I don't. I don't think it's going to work. No. No. Next. Well, well uh, flaming horses, that's hilarious! <laughs> yeah, so I'm running around, it's, bellowing it's, in pain. <laughs> it's, it's horrific, Romanos. It was terrible. Like, really horrible. Ah, oh, you didn't see it though, honestly. They're running all, <laughs> they're all burning alive. Romanos. The Bobby. Yeah. Romanos. Romanos. Yeah. I think it's time you leave. Yes. Get out. You, you're an embarrassment. We're not saying you're a bad man. I, I think you're a victim of circumstance, and I think I said in the episode, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, I think, I think it's time you went. Goodbye. Oh, I'll just, uh, I'll just go then. Yeah. Yeah. If you could. And if you could take the uh, the, the flaming horse with you, that'd be wonderful. Oh, actually, we could do one about you being blinded. That wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs>